Amen. Friends, uh, this is the portion of the service when we open the scriptures and interpret them for one another and talk about what God is saying by the Holy Spirit to God's church. We're wrapping up our sermon series. It's called Financial Peace, and the idea is that we would be free to live and free to give, that we could live with peace even in the midst of our household finances and of the calling of the financial ministry of this church. So we're going to read this morning from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. If you have your Bible, let me invite you to open it up and read along, or you can follow along on the screen as I read. This is what Paul is saying to the church, verses 6, 7, and 8 from chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves who? A cheerful giver. And God is able, say that with me, God is able, say it again, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. A little later, friends, in the service, when you come for communion, you are invited to come and also bring your estimate of giving card. And this, what I want you to know is this is just a tool. This is just a method that we use to bless God and bless one another and to participate in what God is doing through the ministry of this church. I want to try to say a word of grace to you about this today. And so first, let me say this is not a contest This is not a contest. Some of us are going to be able to give more, and some of us are going to be able to give less, and that is just fine and just okay. Uh, There are some of us who have gifts with music ministry, and there are some of us who have gifts for architecture, and there are some of us who have gifts for coaching little boys and little girls in baseball, and there are some of us who have gifts for accounting. And the reality is God gives each of us different gifts. All of us have some gift that we can use in the ministry of the church. So what I'm saying to you is please give at the level that you are able to give. The reality for some of us is, for some of us, money is tight, right? The budget is tight. There's not any extra money to go around. And gosh, you know what? Uh, I lost my job or I'm I'm afraid of losing my job. Or maybe you're retired and uh, you're on a fixed income. What I want you to hear me say is, Regardless of your financial situation, you are always welcome here. You are always welcome in this church. Please never, ever let the question of finances keep you from participating in the ministry of this church. In fact, if we can help you financially, please let us know, and we will be glad to talk with you about how we might be able to help you as a church. Now, there's another group of us who maybe we're giving, but we haven't yet made a commitment. You know, it's kind of like, well, just whatever happens to be in the purse or in the wallet on that Sunday, I'll, I'll put something in the plate or I'll, I'll give to a special offering here and there. If that's you, let me invite you to make a commitment today. Let this be the day, let this be the first time that you make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ and to pursue generosity as a way of being in the world as a disciple of Jesus. I want you to know as you're giving us, especially you who are giving for the first time, these estimate of giving cards, this is confidential. We hold this in strictest confidence, and it's also flexible. You can change this at any time. This is not binding in any way. I promise I will not send Pastor Matt to your doorstep and beat down the door and demand anything from you. It's just not going to happen. We will gladly receive whatever you want to give. 
Now, there are, is another group of us who have made a commitment before, but perhaps we're not quite at the level of tithing. Tithing is a, is a word from the scriptures that means 10%, and some of us are kind of growing in that direction. So my encouragement to you is to give one percentage point more next year than you're giving this year. And so if you're giving 2% this year, you might move to 3 next year, or if you're at 7 this year, you might next year try to give 8 now, there are some of us here, some of you, who are tithing. You are giving at the level of 10% of your income. And what I want to say to you is thank you for your generosity. You are showing us the way forward. You are encouraging us by your example. And then there are just a handful of you who are giving beyond 10%. And what we want to say to you is, well done. You are an inspiration to us by your generosity, and we aspire to be as giving in our own way as you are in your finances. And so thank you, and thank you, and thank you. Friends, no matter which of these describes you, I want you to know, first, God loves you no matter what. And secondly, every gift that you give is a blessing to God, no matter what amount it is that you are giving. Let me tell you a story. A woman was traveling uh, with her family, and they stayed at an inexpensive hotel trying to save a little money right near the airport. And the woman, she's sitting in the lobby with her daughter, and they're playing cards. And while she's there playing cards, a man comes to check in at the lobby at the desk there, and the man gives the clerk his credit card, and the clerk swipes it, and the clerk says back to him those awful words you never want to hear, I'm sorry, your credit card has been declined. And the man says, oh my gosh. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't live here. I'm not from here. I don't even know anyone in this city. What am I going to do? And so the clerk said, well, sir, why don't you call your credit card company and see maybe if they can do something to help you. And so he gets his cell phone out and he walks around the corner to have a little privacy. And meanwhile, the woman who was sitting there with her daughter in the lobby overheard this and she walked up to the clerk at the desk and she said, I want to pay for that man's hotel room tonight. And she gave the clerk her credit card, and she said, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I feel like God is telling me right now this is what I need to do for him. And not only that, she said to the clerk, would you give him this note, please, uh, when he comes back? Please don't tell him it was me, but would you give him this note that I've written for him? And so uh, the man comes back after uh, his phone call with no resolution, and he's distraught, and he's saying, what in the world am I going to do? And the clerk said, actually, sir, um, just now a person came and paid for your room for tonight so that you don't have to worry about it. And also she gave me uh, this note to give to you, and the man uh, read the note, and as he read it, he began to cry. And it said, I'm so sorry. I heard that you were having problems. I wanted to find some way to bless you. I felt like God leading me to do this for you. I want you to know that God loves you. And so the woman sat down, and uh, the man went off to his room, and the, the clerk came over to where the woman and her daughter were playing cards, and she said, I got to tell you, I have worked at this hotel for nine years, and I've never seen anything like that, what you just did. That was extraordinary. And I got to tell you, I'm going to tell my family when I get home what you did for that man. And when I come into work tomorrow, I'm going to tell my supervisor, I'm going to tell all my coworkers what I experienced here tonight. Uh, you're, you're so generous, and that's incredible what you did. And uh, the woman said, um, you know, it, it, God has blessed me, and I could find a way to bless someone else. Uh, she, she was reflecting on that situation. She said, it was the best $80 I ever spent. 
She said, it was the best $80 I ever spent. And she said, you know who was the most blessed person in the entire situation? She said, it was me. I walked away from that situation with an awareness, with a fullness of the Spirit of God in my life. Imagine how many people were touched by what she did, friends. Uh, The man who was in distress and the clerk there at the hotel and the clerk's family and her supervisor and her co-workers. And how about the young lady, the daughter of the woman who had a front row seat to witness what her mom did to bless a stranger in the name of Jesus Christ? Here's the question I want you to consider today, friends. How long did it take for that woman to do what she did for that man? How long do you think? Five minutes? Anybody say less? Anybody say more? Here's the answer. 13 years. Took her 13 years. 13 years before that, she had become a follower of Jesus Christ. And what she had experienced in 13 years is coming to worship week after week and putting a gift in the basket. And what she had experienced in 13 years is the encouragement of the people in her life group to help her be the kind of person God was calling her to be. And what she experienced in 13 years is training in what it means to be a generous disciple of Jesus Christ. 13 years it took her to come to that place where she was ready to bless that man in that way. Friends, what I want you to understand today is generosity doesn't happen overnight. Generosity is a habit. It is a discipline. It is a commitment in which we are trained and formed and shaped as the people of God. And it happens when we participate in that steady, plodding kind of giving. It's not emotional giving. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes when you give on Sunday morning, right, you don't, it's not a wow kind of moment. It's not, oh my gosh, God, you're so amazing. It's just, a, you know what, I said I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it and here it is. And uh, that's a good and nice thing. But it's not a mountaintop experience every time. Now, maybe today is a mountaintop experience and we've all had the mountaintop experiences. But the reality is training and generosity is doing what God has called us to do time after time after time. It's what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. I want you to listen with me to what the Apostle Paul says about these things in his second letter to the Corinthians. In chapter 9, verse 6, he starts like this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Okay, look at the metaphor that Paul's using. Paul's using a farming metaphor. He's using gardening as a way to think about generosity. So whoever plants a few seeds, you can expect just a small harvest, right? But if you plant a lot of seeds, you can expect a great harvest. And how long does it take for the seed to become an ear of corn? It takes a long time, doesn't it? And maybe we get a little restless between spring and fall while we're waiting for it to grow and for it to mature. And so it is with generosity. We reap what we sow, yes, but we also learn over time by being generous, by practicing, by training, by learning, by growing in the disciplines that God has given us. Paul continues in verse 7. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves who? A cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Friends, please hear this encouragement from the scripture. Don't give 
because the pastor says you're supposed to. And don't give uh, simply uh, because someone else said, hey, this is what we do. And, and don't give out of your reluctance. Give out of your joy and cheerfulness about giving, friends. If your heart isn't in it, it's just not going to work. If your heart is not in it, it's not going to work. And why not? Because God loves a cheerful giver. And how do we know that to be true? Because God is a cheerful giver. Have you noticed the joy that God has in blessing God's children? Think about how much joy you have in blessing your kids and your grandkids. How much more joy does God have in blessing all of God's children? And we are the recipients of God's cheerfulness in giving. God is a cheerful giver. God invites us to be cheerful giver. And in God's way of ordering the world, cheerfulness and generosity are inextricably linked. They go together. Think about the most generous person in your life. Is that person not also cheerful and joyful and grateful all the time? Yeah. This is the way God has made the world. As we grow in generosity, we also grow in cheer and in joy and in gratitude. Like that woman who paid for the man's hotel room, like when you and I have experienced unexpected blessings from other people, like when a church decides to put service at the center of its common life, and so people come week after week and say, this is not about me, this is about what I can do for someone else in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul continues in verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to bless you abundantly. Friends, I'm here to tell you, not only is God able, God is willing to bless you abundantly. Say amen if you've been abundantly blessed by God. Say amen if you've been abundantly blessed by God. Yeah, amen, amen. God has poured out so much into our lives, blessing after blessing. We, of all people, have been blessed. And, you know, all you got to do is open your eyes and look around, and we have everything that we need. Now, there's a shadow side to this blessing. And the shadow side is seen most clearly when we look around us and we realize not everyone in our community, or certainly not in the world, enjoys the same material enjoyments that we have. Have you noticed that? Not everyone has the same material blessings that we have. And one of those moments of realization came for me when I was a teenager, and my youth pastor took me from the, the comfortable suburbs of Northern Virginia on the youth mission trip, and we went to a little coal mining town in West Virginia, and for the first time in my life, I saw poverty up close. And I'll never forget, we spent a hard day working at the work site on behalf of a family, doing their roof or doing their bathroom or something like that. And we came back to the camp, and we had worship together as a group that night. And I was thinking about what I was experiencing, and and I began to cry. And I realized for the first time, I had so much in my life, and these people that I was there to serve had so little. And I felt guilty about that. And I also felt helpless. But you know what I've learned since then? I'm not helpless. I'm not helpless because God has given me something that I can use to bless others. God has given me something. 
God is able to bless you abundantly so that, that's a really crucial phrase in Paul's writing, here comes the why, here comes the reason, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, raise your hand if you have all that you need, by the way. Yeah, isn't that almost all of us? We have all that we need. God has given us everything we need. Why? So that you will abound in every good work so that you can be sent out into the world to bless others with what God has already given you. Now, here's the thing. It seems to me God could do all that blessing on God's own, but in God's mercy and grace for us, God has included us and said, hey, let's go do something extraordinary. Let's go bless someone together. Would you come with me and do it? And you walk away from that feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm the one who was blessed. Just like that woman who paid for the man's hotel room in that airport hotel God is gracious to include us in the blessing of other people so that we will abound in every good work. Friends, this is the story of Timberlake in 2018 because here we are, a church that is open-handed. Our posture toward God and one another is with open hands to receive what God has given us but also to give to others and share. We live in this church with an awareness that God has given us very, very much. We have a lot, and to whom much is given, much is expected. We have sown generously the seeds of our faith in the hopes that it will come back to us and that we will reap generously according to the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to list a couple of highlights for you this morning. There's way more mission and ministry that happens in this church than we have time to talk about in the next five minutes. But I want to hit a couple of highlights At Christmas last year, we raised $70,000 to bless our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico who were recovering from the devastating effects of Hurricane Maria. And so we provided for a new roof for the church at Levittown, the Iglesia Metodista de Levittown, uh, which is in a little town called Levittown, which is in the province of Toa Baja, which is just to the west of San Juan in Puerto Rico. This is our team that we sent back in July, and you can see the before and after picture, the painting, the beautiful work that they did on the outside of the church. They did work on the inside of the church. Uh, They took with them the good news uh, to people in Puerto Rico who you and I have never met to say to them, there are people in Lynchburg who love you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we have come to help you get back on your feet so that you can continue to bless your community. This church is active in their community, blessing people as they continue to recover from the effects of the hurricane. Uh, We received a note from the pastor of that church. His name is Reverend Brejito Ortiz, and um, this is what he said to us. He said, one year after we remember Hurricane Maria and all the destruction it caused, we are grateful for all that you have already done for us. It meant the world to us and to our church. Blessings from your brothers and sisters in Levittown. Friends, we've also continued our mission efforts in Lumberton, North Carolina. The folks at Lumberton are now recovering from not just one, but two flooding events. We've sent teams, we've sent financial gifts, we've sent supplies. Uh, Most of all, we've sent the love of Christ to try to say to them, there is hope. Things can get better. We will help you recover. We will help you put your homes and your lives back together after this. Back in late August, we had a day of worship and mission. We gathered in this room for one worship service at 9 o'clock. We had a message, and then we were sent out into our community to do uh, many, many different projects to serve our neighbors. Uh, We called it The Church Has Left the Building, and it was an awesome day of worship and mission. Some of you said to me, hey, pastor, we should do that again. And so if you're up for it, then maybe we will. 
and uh, continue to make the connection between worship and mission and what God is doing. We continue to feed our neighbors at our fill-in station food pantry. Uh, now up to three times a month we're feeding them, and the reality is that we have a growing awareness of the need of our hungry neighbors. We have a growing ability to meet those needs. You can see here the shelves are often stocked full uh, because people need the kind of things that sometimes you and I take for granted. Our Child Development Center is growing with new leadership. Uh, we are now a offer full-time, year-round care. We have a new leadership team. We're bringing the Child Development Center in line with the ministry of the church. Some of you are coming to volunteer, to sit with the children, to read to the children, to hold the babies over at Avonlea's Angels. This is a ministry of the church called Timberlake. Uh, this year, we started this new worship service, and here we are, gathered together to have the Word of God and to come to the table week after week after week. This is an experiment, right? We weren't sure what this would be when we started. We're still not sure what this will eventually be. But here we are together uh, where we were not here before, and we're gathered as the people of God, and we're welcoming our new friends, uh, brothers and sisters, into this church. Uh, our vision team continues to meet. In fact, we're meeting tonight at my house at 6 o'clock. And so I'm asking you now to pray for us. Pray for our vision team that God is showing us what God's preferred future for Timberlake is. And that come February, I will have a really compelling vision to share with you on Sunday morning, on those four Sundays in February, to say this is what God wants to do in our church. Friends, when it comes down to it, this is about what Jesus is doing in the lives of people. This is about people. When I ask you, hey, what's the best thing about Timberlake? Without fail, you know what you say to me is, the people. The best thing about our church is what Jesus is doing in the lives of these people. And so we see it. We see it in our growing worship attendance on Sunday morning. We see it in our growing life group participation. We see it in our growing efforts in mission to bless our neighbors. We see it in the growth of those who have come newly to join this church and to make a commitment to be a member of who we are as the body of Christ. This year alone, we have received 92 new members into this church. 92 people, friends. That's extraordinary. Yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah. Heath, come on up and sit down with your dad. Heath, come on up, buddy. <laughs> friends, this church is an awesome church. I'm so glad to be part of it and the new thing that God is doing in our midst. Last week, we talked about what would it be like if instead of a mirror, all of our belongings serving to make us focus on ourselves, what if instead all of our stuff served as a hammer and that we were put ourselves and our belongings and all of our resources in service to God to work for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for God's kingdom? Uh, this year, we've received 92 new hammers in the form of men and women and children who have said, let me join you in the work that you are doing for the gospel of Jesus Christ.